to Extra Time on TalkSport in partnership with GG Poker. Now, let's uh, get the latest from Latin America as we uh, join our man in Campeche, uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, uh, thank you ever so much for joining us. Good evening, Mr. Kellner. Good evening to you. Um, we've dropped the music as a mark of respect. Uh, you've got. We're going to start with the uh, Brazilian uh, election, which I've been watching this program on the BBC. It was really, really good, called uh, The Boys from Brazil, which is about Bolsonaro and his uh, various uh, relatives, his son and all that, um, which sort of goes into how he you know, moved from being a bit of a media personality, if you like, um, a bit sort of out there, nobody thought... You he would ever become uh, president. How he went from that and got power and everything. And um, they went through all the car wash thing, which was all about the corruption and everything. And yet now the guy that was kicked out during that uh, car wash investigation, uh, Lula da Silva, he's now ahead of, um, quite uh, substantially ahead of Bolsonaro in the running for the next uh, president. Yeah, Lula da Silva, Ignacio Lula da Silva, who it's, it's worth uh, remembering, actually presided in the early 2000s over one of the biggest periods of growth for, for Brazil in, in modern history. He then gave way to uh, Dilma Rousseff. Uh, so he, it's not as though he went into, he got uh, done on corruption charges at right. the time. He gave way. Right. And then after that, then there was a series of, Revelations and the Lavajato, the car wash scandal and stuff, which led to him being imprisoned for a while based upon the illegal use, the purported illegal use and sale of a flat in Rio. Uh, but then that was all uh, brought back and, and he's been released and is now running against uh, Jair Bolsonaro, who himself is no stranger to uh, to accusations of graft, mm. despite the fact that he is very prominently against uh, corruption and speaks uh, you know, of it all the time. The, the Brazilian election is two weeks, or the first round of the Brazilian election is two weeks away, and it is very likely, as things stand, unless something um, strange takes place, that we will be going into a second round runoff on the 30th of October between the left-wing Lula da Silva and the right-wing Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, an, an election of polar opposites, but what mostly worries um, Brazil at the moment, the, the man on the omnibus, omnibus in Brazil, Martin, as you would say, at the yes. moment, and also international viewers and kind of custodians of democracy, is the fact that um, it is currently less likely that Bolsonaro will go quietly than he will stage some kind of uh, nascent coup attempt. Whether he succeeds in that or not is, is, a, is a broader question, but he has... Uh, stated on a number of different uh, occasions that the path forward for him is victory, prison or death. Uh, wow. Defeat is nowhere on his on his future landscape. And this is the great worry, as with the US, is that it's not who wins or loses in this Brazilian election, which comes up in two weeks, but it is the damage that is done to the democratic project in Brazil, which also is not that old. I mean, the military rule, military dictatorship there ended in 1985. So that's less than five years, so less than 50 years ago is when the junta, when the military dictatorship finished there. So it's very much still in living memory for people in Brazil.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Bolsonaro presumably taking his, you know, taking his inspiration from uh, Trump, really, I suppose, when you, you know, when you think about elections. Well, actually, in your opening description, when you said about uh, uh, Bolsonaro and this figure that came from left field, who had a background in media and nobody ever thought was going to win, you could that, that is a, a paragraph you could have read of Donald Trump, only you, yeah. you replace media with real estate. And it is absolutely a paragraph which would which could relate to Donald Trump. And I mean, when Bolsonaro came to power, he was semi-jokingly referred to as the Trump of the tropics, but he, he, he absolutely uh, has based his modus operandi on, on Donald Trump. And actually, where it becomes relevant for the United Kingdom in the next few days is the fact that he is a, um, a prominent, in inverted commas, uh, invitee to the Queen's funeral, which is going to take place this week, and which is, you know, some, a number of critics of his are saying, well, he didn't, he didn't give much of a damn about the 400,000 Brazilians who died during the pandemic where he was, you know, he, he didn't really, uh, promote too much in the way of healthcare and separation. So, on. No. so it's, it's, the, the general accusation is that and he's now going over to the UK for this to appear statesmanlike and to get himself a, a particular kind of support ahead of these, these upcoming elections. Yeah, and, and presumably the, the way he behaved during uh, the COVID crisis, and we it was on that BBC programme I was talking about, you, know, you saw the mass graves uh, and all that, and you saw him with his bleach and, uh, you know, coming out and saying this will cure it and, and everything. Um, that's one of the reasons, I suspect, that he's so far behind in the uh, in the polling at the moment. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a perfect storm of reasons why, he is, so, and actually, he's not even that far behind. He's on average six to eight points behind Lula da Silva, but he's definitely significantly behind. Uh, but but you know you know all those press conferences that we saw with Donald Trump making fun of various particular you know structures related to mm. COVID and so on. I mean, with Bolsonaro, it was you can multiply that by a few. There was yes, one famous example where Bolsonaro actually impersonated a choking COVID victim. In front of the TV cameras. I mean, even, you know, even Donald Trump wouldn't, wouldn't do that, I don't think. No. Um, now you've got a bit of a local story here from uh, Campeche where you live. This is uh, the Black Jesus Crucifix. Tell me about that. Yeah, the, 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 the Black Christ, a uh, 450 year old statue. It is the month of the festivities of the Black Christ here in Campeche, which seems really unique until you start to realize that actually right across Latin America, uh, Black Christ's figure really heavily and prominently across various different countries and, and localities, uh, which is, you know, if you are of the if you are a believer and you are of the faith, you think, well, that's amazing that. Christ appeared in this particular guise. And if you are slightly more of a cynic, you would say, well, it's interesting that the Catholic Church decided to make this dark skinned figure appear to the indigenous uh, uh, groups and population at the time in order to co-opt them into the Catholic faith. The, the brass tacks of this story is that there was this ship that was moving between Veracruz to Campeche. So across the Gulf of Mexico in 1565, in which a hurricane hit the ship uh, a few hours in. And then, the, so the story goes, uh, a black-skinned figure with a beard and a loincloth appeared on the deck and guided them to shore 
in rapid fire time. So it was uh, basically regarded as being something of a miracle that they all uh, reached shore right. and they reached shore in the San Roman neighborhood of Campeche. So at that point, this this uh, this statue was erected and placed in the church, with, which was purported to protect uh, all of the community, in, including another interesting story was the fact that some pirates attacked it at some point a few years after the situation and, and a, a lightning bolt emerged from the figure of the, the Black Christ uh, casting the, the pirates back out uh, to sea. But um, yeah, so it is like the, the, the Catholic faithful here in Campeche in September, of which there are a significant majority, uh, definitely go become very focused, let's say, on the celebration of the of the Black Christ. And it is very definitely Campeche's most important uh, religious and social festival in in the calendar outside of the usual suspects of your Easter and yeah. your Christmas and, and so on. A fun time for you. I mean, is it, uh, you know, will there be lots of uh, drinking, carousing, you know? Dancing in the yeah, streets. Yeah, drinking. Yeah, the, the 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 Black Christ festivities absolutely encourage uh, drinking and carousing and general debauchery on the streets Excellent. of Campeche. <laughs> no, Excellent. absolutely not. It's very much the reverse. It's very much oh. long skirts, uh, ties, and jackets, and slow pacing back and back and forth to the uh, to the church. I actually uh, took some photographs the other day, Martin, which I didn't get to send to you. Uh, there was a massive open air mass that took place in this sort of domed outside multi-use space in which I guess there was probably four to five thousand people, um, you know, on, on a, you know, on a, on a random Sunday in September, all paying their respects to this, uh, to this figure. When a church stops being big enough to house its own celebration, you know that something's going on. Right. But not a, not a fun festival then, not, uh, I, I do prefer the religious festivals that have a certain amount of carousing and dancing in the street. Yeah, the clowns, the clowns were not in attendance. No clowns, this one, no. yeah. Sounds a bit more yeah. like Yom Kippur clowns than barred. anything else. Yeah. yeah. So um, looking at the sport now, it's a story that we've been um, following quite a bit on TalkSport this week. Uh, Chile want uh, Ecuador disqualified from the, uh, from the upcoming World Cup in Qatar. This is such a classic Latin American sports story. Yes. And honestly, I actually don't know where to begin. I'm going to begin, I think, with the name of the figure in question, a guy called Byron Castillo, who, who played uh, for Ecuador in eight out of 18 matches in the World Cup qualifiers. But then you actually get into asking, well, what is his name? Because one birth certificate has a particular name and another birth certificate in Colombia, not Ecuador, has a different name. Um, and then you begin to ask, well, does that mean he has a brother? But there is no brother there at all. So it must be him. And he was recently recorded and actually admitting that it was him. And there is a discrepancy between ages and so on. So this is one of those. It's almost one of those Netflix you know, true crime mysteries that mm -hmm. goes on for like four different seasons. But where we are at, at the moment is that Chile basically wants to disqualify Ecuador from uh, from having qualified for the World Cup. And they will, Ecuador hypothetically, will be playing uh, guitar in the World Cup opener in, in two months' time, but not if Chile get their way because they played two matches against Ecuador, which they, they, they managed to uh, draw one and lose one. So if they uh, uh, remove the points from Ecuador for those two matches, then they leapfrog automatically into fourth place and they get the place that Ecuador had at the World Cup. Um, FIFA had a hearing yesterday about this. They heard the 
the Chilean representation. And Byron Castillo was forced to attend the hearing. And in what was a complete surprise to everybody, he did not turn up. Um, so the FIFA now, he was, it was left to the Ecuadorian de delegation to, to make his and the delegation's case. And FIFA now have 20 days to reply. And it is massively problematic for FIFA because they have two options. One is they can, they can disqualify Ecuador, as seems to be you know, the veracity, the truth of the situation. But then that sets a massive precedent in terms of mm. you know, low-level abuses for the future. Or they can say, nothing to see here, Gov, uh, which generates its own series of, of uh, ongoing problems for FIFA as well. So this is where we're at. But yeah, uh, Latin America uh, sports, and in particular football narrative, is a little bit obsessed with uh, this strange uh, peroxided figure of Byron Castillo. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, and of course, uh, just finally, it's uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, against Gigi, as they call him, um, uh, tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow night, yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, let's see what happens there. For sure, one of the biggest boxing events in the in the global calendar and certainly one of the sporting events in in Latin America, everybody in Mexico, of course, will be will be wrapped with attention uh, on, on that bout, but but also more broadly. I mean, Canelo is uh, a major sporting figure in terms of you know more broadly across the continent, yeah. and uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see how that plays out. Indeed, um, as always, John, thank you uh, ever so much. Do appreciate it. Take care. There we go, uh, John Bonfilio there. Uh, joining us from Campeche in uh, Mexico, you listen to Extra Time on TalkSport. 